0: Hello, everyone. Uh, still recovering from the surgery earlier. Uh, so I'm going to try to keep my thoughts as brief as I can with the games that went on uh, earlier. I mean, we just had the Chiefs Bills game and a lot to talk about because of uh, how some of those games played out. Uh, but, uh, you know, you got a Chiefs Buccaneers Super Bowl. So I'll give. My thoughts on that as well briefly, uh, but uh, let's just talk about the Green Bay Packers here because uh, this was just a debacle of a game. D- truth be told, uh, the Buccaneers deserved to win that game. It was thirty-one twenty-five. I I mean, thirty-one twenty-six. 26 but literally the... Uh... <laughs> I mean, it, it's 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 a joke. It really is a joke uh, <laughs> that um, the Packers were even in this game because of how poorly the, the decision making was uh, on all accounts. Uh, Mike Pettin cost the Packers uh, this game, and it wasn't even close. It was it wasn't close. I I I, I, I don't know how else to to say it, but uh, the Packers were not in this game. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you until Tom Brady started making mistakes in the second half that were more unforced errors by trying to chuck the ball down the field instead of trying to uh, bleed clock. I I mean, realistically Tampa allowed the Packers back into this game because they insisted on keeping things aggressive when Leonard Fournette was having the game of his life. I I mean, Leonard Fournette, uh, you know, he's had bigger rushing days uh, from his Jacksonville days, but realistically, some of the runs Leonard Fournette was making, we haven't seen Leonard Fournette do that since college. His touchdown run, the best comment I saw on Twitter about his touchdown run that involved multiple broken tackles and not one, but two spins, the best comment I saw was. This run uses every button on the controller, and and I forgot to write down who who actually is, uh, uh, uh said that on Twitter, but uh, the, the dude who wrote that, I I mean, it was it was incredible watching Leonard Fournette, who we have dogged, and believe me, I'm one of the people who dogged Leonard Fournette. I regr- I was <laughs> I was. Uh, Debating whether or not I had made a tragic mistake drafting him in season-long fantasy uh, just because, you know, you didn't know what you were going to get, but Fournette showed up. Fournette is going to be one of the few Jags players to actually play in a Super Bowl uh, from when Jalen Ramsey said uh, they were going to win that against against Brady uh, a couple of years back uh, with the famous Duvall run. But, you know, like I said, Packers defensive coordinator Mike Pettin deserves to get fired, not just because people are going to be talking about that game for a variety of reasons, most of them involving Matt LaFleur. And we'll get to the Matt LaFleur decision point as well because that's also something we need to talk about. Uh, That's why, you know, in spite of everything I'm trying to to do uh, the discussion here, and, and, and get out of here, uh, at least with some uh, quick thoughts on the games. But Mike Pettin allowed Tom Brady in the first half to convert on uh, these third down possessions in the first half. Third and 13, third and nine, third and seven, third and four, and a third and short as well. That was the difference of the game. Tampa was able to still keep the ball moving along. Green Bay never really got set in their offense because Tampa didn't get off the field. And then, to compound things, the inexplicable call, after a timeout, no less, to have no safety help over the top, with Tampa's receivers, Scotty Miller gets loose. King the King the defensive back loses uh, loses track of Scotty Miller. He get he gets caught peeking in the backfield. Again, you got a blitz package. Why is your DB peeking in the backfield? It makes no sense. But be that as it may, Scotty Miller gets in behind King. There's no help over the top. Touchdown backbreaking play to end the half. Backbreaking because it puts Tampa up two scores, and now they have as much as they uh, can do to actually uh, uh, to start salting the game away, which didn't happen. It did not happen. That that made it twenty-one to ten. Tampa then started inexplicably trying to chuck the ball down the field and got the Packers back into the game, and then people started thinking. Oh, the Packers are coming back and win, winning this game. But my concern with this game was, you know, the if the Packers could not run the ball and Vitavia looked healthy, healthy as a bull, it, 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 Vitavia might actually be, and I'm jumping ahead, he might be the difference in the Super Bowl, how that game goes. I'm, I'm just saying it now. He might be the difference maker along with JPP, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul. But you know, I I just had to say, you know, what are the Green Bay Packers if they can't run the football? And you know, people have accused me of being a Packers hater all year long and all last season. It's not that I hate the Packers; I just question the system because if I hear it one more time, and it happened like eight, eight times yesterday, where I'm just like about to scream my head off saying. Jordan Law being selected in the first round was the right move by the Packers because it lit a fire under Aaron Rodgers. No, no, that, that, that's just trying to back into dumb logic. Here's what would have helped Aaron Rodgers if you were serious about a Super Bowl window. Chase Claypool at wide receiver. Or you could have gone the route of uh, taking, you know, probably along the lines of T. Higgins who's a better fit for the Packers than Claypool. But you know what those two players are? They're better than Marquez Valdez Scantling. And even though Scantling had the game of his life, basically, with four catches for 115 yards and the 50-yard bomb, could not punish Tampa. He had six targets. He's not open. Why do you think Aaron Rodgers was force feeding Devontae Adams the ball? Tampa had multiple guys blanketing Adams the entire game. He still got 15 targets. You know why he got 15 targets? Because no one else on this team is open. Uh, people keep saying that hey, you're force feeding the ball to Adams. But, uh, you know, even I said he was force feeding the ball to Adams. But you saw on the, uh, some of those possessions, even at the goal line. Alan Lazard's head is not up. He His head is not looking for the ball, and Rogers throwing right at him. Lazard thinks it's a run play. The ball just sails past his head. That was He may not have gotten in at the very end because uh, uh, that, that was basically the end of the game. Uh, he may not get in because the defender's there, but he at least gets up to the one or two-yard line, at worst the two-yard line, probably the one with his momentum. But I think he he, he, had, he had a chance of trying to get getting in there, uh, taking on the defenders, but he wasn't even looking for the ball. Aaron Rodgers' receivers outside of Devontae Adams are basically number three wide receivers at best. There needs to be a legitimate passing threat off of Adams to get attention away from him. You look at Tampa's side, Mike Evans doesn't have a big day, but he still gets eight targets. But even without Antonio Brown, you still have Chris Godwin. Uh, uh, Scotty Miller did his job and stretched the field. Tyler Johnson had a great catch. But you still had a number of passing, uh, passing routes available to folks. Uh, you know, I keep looking for Gronk to have bigger uh, bigger games, but realistically, Gronk's greatest asset to this Tampa team is his blocking. Gronk's still a great blocker. He They don't really need him to run that many routes. It, like Cameron Braid's actually more of the receiving tight end than Gronk at this point because they just want to have Gronk in there, the block, and Gronk's happy to do it. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those uh, situations where you look at it and you see the glaring holes because on the day Green Bay ran the ball 16 times for 67 yards, but they were having a tough time dealing with Tampa's interior. Uh, And they only started getting a little bit more uh, success. Their longest run of the day was, was only 12 yards. Uh, Both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams were able to do it. Was because they were able to bounce the ball to the outside. They they were able to get some stretch runs going. But when you're down two scores in the second half, it makes it very hard. Like early on in the game, when Green Bay had the opportunities to uh, try to run the ball, they were trying to run it up the tackle. Like you're not going to be able to do that against Tampa. It's just not going to happen. So you know, it, it was just a bad game plan to start, and you know. Here's how they opened up the second half. Down eleven. First down pass to Aaron Jones out in the flat. Second down pass uh, to Aaron Jones incomplete. Third down pass to Aaron Jones. Like, it made no sense. You need to dial up some place to get yourself back into the game early. And the Packers just were checked down city. Matt LaFleur. Had a brutal game, brutal game against Todd Bowles, uh, the the much maligned former head coach of the Jets, now the defensive coordinator of the Buccaneers, and guess what? He's got that unit more than ready to uh, try to win a Super Bowl because the Bucs can actually do some things uh, to frustrate Chiefs and and, uh, and make it and make a good account of themselves. But, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur is going to be heavily criticized as well. He should, have. you know, I, I waited a good, uh, I think we got a good 10 minutes into the discussion here to, to let's talk about what happened. Packers down eight. It's two minutes and 10 seconds left to go in the game. The Packers have squandered, uh, multiple chances in, uh, Multiple chances at the eight yard line. At the eight yard line of Tampa. Like I said, down eight. Two minutes and 10 seconds left to go in the game. Down eight. Down eight. Matt LaFleur opts to kick a field goal. Opts to kick a field goal down eight with just over two minutes left to go in the game. I've had this rant multiple times. For those of you listening to the podcast, I've talked about this before at length. Analytics is not the problem. The problem is coaches who don't, quite understand how to properly apply analytics, then citing analytics as the rationale why they make their boneheaded decisions is the problem. Aaron Rodgers on the season, including the postseason, so regular season and postseason, had 53 touchdowns and six interceptions all year. With the season on the line, he opted to roll the dice with Mike Petton against, if you don't want to say Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and a plethora of wide receiver options, even without Antonio Brown, he banked on Mike Pettin. And I, I don't want to even, I don't, I don't have the time to go into Mike Pettin's complete coaching resume. Uh, but let's just say it's not exactly the most stout defensive resume. It ain't like you got Marvin Lewis or Rex Ryan on your side. He opts to go with Mike Penton instead of Aaron Rodgers. Because even if you get the uh even if you get the stop, which is a big if, because the first down ends the game, which Tampa got the first down. Even if you got the stop and you punt the ball back, best case scenario, you've got maybe, maybe twenty seven seconds left. Drive from anywhere from the best case, your own 40. Most likely, it's probably going to be somewhere around the 25 or 30 yard line after a punt. You got maybe less than 30 seconds, like at best, you basically got 30 seconds left uh, with the uh, Packers' timeout situations. They got about 30 seconds left to actually uh, get there in terms of. Getting a stop, driving back down the field. There's just not enough time. Maybe it, it 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 would be defensible if we were talking about three minutes. Like three minutes is probably the last cutoff. I could pro uh, I could probably give you credit for three the three minute mark late in the fourth quarter. Four minutes, okay. We we could have a conversation here on the thought process of getting a stop you know not taking a low percentage chance of getting into the end zone and not and not getting it done but the idea that you're going to kick a field goal get a stop drive back down the field with under 30 seconds left the chances of that are so low that you have to go for it on fourth down and try to get the touchdown there's no defending this none there's just none and if you listen to Aaron Rodgers after the game, he just kind of threw the floor under the bus saying it's not my call on that uh, and that he needs more time to think about what lies ahead for him. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, my team doesn't draft a wide receiver. They draft a quarterback. Give me no help. I still ball out with Devontae Adams, but in the playoffs, it come, it rears its ugly head again. When we can't run the ball, these receivers can't get open if uh, they double cover Devontae and I got single-man coverage uh, with these receivers, other receivers, they can't get themselves open. What is Aaron Rodgers supposed to feel like at this stage? What's he supposed to do? In his mind, he's done everything he could to get to this point, back to the Super Bowl, and... He's not getting the support that he's looking for. So, of course, Aaron Rodgers is incredibly disappointed. Like, who wouldn't be? But it's insane to think that a head coach at this high of level can make such a drastic tactical mistake regarding time management. It's inexcusable, and yet all the time... If people bring out the chart saying you know in terms of the analytics this is why you uh, your percentage plays uh, of going for it uh, here versus uh, try to take some points uh, you know uh, this is your win percent guys I, I, sometimes you can do the math but other times you actually have to try to win the game and it's less than two minutes uh, you have just over two minutes left realistically so many things can go wrong for you to try to get that stop like you have to put it in the hands of your best players and your best players are on offense it's just indefensible that call and green bay will never get over that call because i've said it before i didn't think the packers were as good as people have said they were this year they were the beneficiaries of the 49ers getting hurt. The, the, I mean, the New Orleans Saints just letting Drew Brees drive the team bus over the cliff uh, and no one actually taking control of the wheel instead of Brees. Uh, you know, it really should have been the Saints year. Yeah, like I said, the Niners, uh, Niners uh, just were not healthy. And then, you know, the also-rans. Just weren't there. Seattle uh, imploded their own season on their own volition. And then my, my next pick uh, uh, from there was uh, was actually going to be the Bucs. Like, I actually like the Bucks more than Green Bay. My whole thing with the Bucks was you don't know what you're getting out of Tom Brady more often than not. But if you get good Tom, good Tom was there for the first half. Bad Tom showed up in the second half, which is very uncharacteristic. Usually, good Tom lasts the. Uh, if he's locked in early, he's going to be good the entire game. Uh, I don't know what happened in that second half, but like I said, uh, Tampa should have blown out Green Bay the way Tampa had played that first half. I thought Tampa was going to cruise to a victory by two touchdowns. I, I had, I was pretty confident Tampa was winning that game. Uh, Brady just kind of uh lost the mojo in the second half and that's what allowed the, the Packers comeback more than anything else. But the fact that Matt LaFleur, you know, after being given a gift from Tom Brady, just decided to uh <laughs> I mean just I, I I I can't even I can't even find the words to say it might be the most cowardly coaching decision of all time i can't believe he actually went with the logic of yeah we definitely can get a third down uh we can definitely get a three and out and get the ball back with under 30 seconds left and still again think about the time logic you won't go for it on fourth down from the tampa eight but you're going to take the chance that you're going to get that touchdown with under 30 seconds left driving all the way down the opposite side of the field and being way out of range and then try to get the touchdown because yeah, you would have needed a two point conversion uh, just to get the tie on the uh, first end. But that's why you don't do dumb things to chase two point conversions early. And this is a separate discussion, but the folks who keep arguing, well, you know, the decision would have been easier for him to make if he went for two earlier in the game. No, it's not an uh, easier decision if he goes earlier in the game because if you miss the two point conversion uh, early in the game, it's not even a discussion point. They wouldn't be down thirty one twenty three. They would be down thirty one twenty two. Like they wouldn't be in a position to tie the game. The reason why you don't kick, uh, you don't you don't go for two recklessly, unless you are very confident in your ability to convert it i don't care about expected value i care about the actual conversion as much as nfl kickers have been on the flaky side kicking extra points since uh, uh they moved back the extra point it's still a 94% conversion rate to get the one the conversion rate for two point conversions is still only at 50% unless you know the defensive player is out for the other side or you've got a play that you know and is very confident that it's going to work and every coach thinks they're so confident about the two-point conversion play oh we got to play for that you don't go for two if you don't have to because if you miss it then it takes the option off the table folks who keep saying it gives you more information by going for two early here's my counter argument it gives the other team information too, because if they know you're going to be chasing points the rest of the game, they know what you're going to be doing. You're going to be more aggressive in some of the play calls. It goes both ways. It doesn't. It's not binary where only one side benefits from uh, knowing if uh, the uh, the other side's going for two or not. I'm sorry. It's just not the case. I I, I don't. I, I can't be any clearer than that. So. Yes, uh, there are going to be folks blaming analytics for Matt LaFleur's decision. No, analytics had nothing to do with Matt LaFleur choking in the biggest spot of his entire coaching career. That's, that's not on analytics. That's on Matt LaFleur. And no, it, it doesn't mean that it, you should be uh, celebrating that, oh, more application of analytics is needed. No, it, it's, it's time and a place. So let's get to uh, the Chiefs-Bills uh, game. Uh, because uh, I, I spent quite a bit of time on uh, Tampa and Green Bay. But uh, Chiefs game, uh, you know, this was a classic live bet situation because you watch Patrick Mahomes move around yesterday and you see that, A, no lingering effects with the concussion, and, B, the turf toe wasn't bothering him. If Patrick Mahomes is healthy, the Chiefs are always the favorite. That was a live bet situation. Where even when the Bills got up early, I still looked at Patrick Mahomes being healthy, and I'm saying Chiefs are winning this game. That was just a live bet situation. Bottom line the uh, the Bills uh, the Bills took advantage of uh, McCole Hartman's uh, a flub of a punt return, uh, got up uh, two scores, and the Chiefs proceeded to uh, outscore the Bills 38 to six. In that time frame, where the Bills only scored six points, they had fourth down and uh, fourth and goal from, I believe it was the two as well as the six-yard line, and basically the Bills settled for field goals. You know, most of the time, I would say, okay, maybe you can get away with uh, kicking the field goal Uh, especially if you want to not give the home team momentum. The problem is when you're playing against the chiefs, you have to actually push everything to the limit and put your chips in because the chiefs are more talented than you. There's no getting around that. You could try to play a little bit more discipline, but I still haven't seen anyone come up with a legitimate game plan to slow down and completely nullify the Chiefs other than Bill Belichick and even Bill Belichick those game plans only work for about 3 quarters and then the Chiefs usually figure out what Belichick's trying to do and then start getting their points but Belichick's the only guy I've seen be smart enough to come up with something to slow down the Chiefs enough that you can uh, you can get the lead on them because the key is you have to get the lead on them and get through halftime with the lead, and be able to carry it into the third quarter, and then try to salt away the game. That that's that's the game plan for beating the Chiefs. You have to basically shorten the game and hold on to the lead long enough to make sure that the Chiefs, uh, when they do get to uh, start blitzing you all offensively, because they just wear you out with uh, their skill position players. That the snowball effect just come. Uh, starts happening and then it's all over. You you cannot get any traction. So in it's just it's been clear's day that uh the Bills were not going to be in that game from the second quarter on. It you know, I really just did not see much of anything. And the other thing that was uh surprising again to me was the fact that the Bills didn't seem to learn anything from the first encounter with the Chiefs because they ran pretty much the same offense against the Chiefs uh, that they did in week six. And the Chiefs were ready for it. I was expecting a lot more of uh, Stefan Diggs being used in the slot, being moved around, uh, just uh, trying to do different things with wide receiver screens. I thought they were going to fully feature uh, uh, Stefan Diggs in the offense. And take pressure off of Josh Allen because the Chiefs were always going to blitz uh, Allen. Steve Spagnuolo was not going to let Josh Allen be able to pick and choose who his receivers are going to be. He was going to force him to make quick decisions. And I figure, you know, you'd have Stefan Diggs running the short routes to be the hot read and and get him the ball. What ended up happening is uh, the the Chiefs had some very tight blanketed coverage on Diggs and the bills receivers could not win one-on-one matchups against the chiefs dbs. Josh Allen had no one to throw the ball to and he was getting pressured all game long. You know, I give Josh Allen credit for not imploding with multiple picks because he could have just forced the ball down the field and just kept turning the ball over uh with how good the chiefs coverage was. He he stayed disciplined and I give Josh Allen credit for it. I you know, I I I'll I'll be the first to admit when I, I I get it wrong but you know Josh Allen played a very solid game yesterday in spite of all the circumstances being thrown at him. The Chiefs had a better executed game plan and he did not Im- completely implode. I am he very well uh, had a uh, had a, a rationale to just say, "Hey, I'm going to force uh, force it into Stefan Diggs no matter what and just throw it up in the air." But the chiefs had too good of a coverage. I, I think uh, most of those balls get picked. I just thought it was a better defensive game plan by the chiefs compared to what, uh, the bills are running. I, I mean, Steve Spagnolo uh, took a uh, Brian Daybull's lunch money and ran off of it. Uh, I mean, it's just that simple. Like uh, a got outclassed completely. And you know, at times it kind of look like the reverse of, uh, what happened uh, uh, to the Ravens when they were playing the bills. The like the Ravens had no answers on the, uh, on the road and the bills were in a similar boat. They were very much struggling to come up with uh, ideas uh, on how to, how to a slow down the chiefs and B how to actually keep uh, their team on the field so that the chiefs offense doesn't get back in, in there. I mean, if you look at the chiefs possession, since uh, the, uh, first quarter uh they went touchdown 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 field goal like that was the game like the chiefs just turned the game on a dime and it was over it was over it, like the it, the score was 31-15 at that point the game was over so you know and the and the other stat now it's 31 to but, like, the stat going in was Patrick Mahomes is 30-0 and at halftime uh, on normal rest. So, like, not a, um, you know, a short rest game where you got a primetime game and then a short week. Uh, you know, the only time he lost was, like, a short turnaround week. And I believe, um, I want to say, uh, who did he lose to? man now i'm blanking on i'm blanking on the game now uh what that that game ended up being uh anyway um basically even on primetime rest uh and, and a short turnaround he's 34 and 1 at halftime with the lead 30 and 0 on normal rest like you cannot be down to the chiefs at halftime with mahomes it's just The math doesn't work. You have to be ahead, and you have to be able to salt the game away. It it, just—it's just that simple. Uh, Kicking field goals uh, does—it's just not gonna uh, get it done. And another, again, bad analytics on display because you had (laughs) basically you had. uh, uh folks uh, complaining that Sean McDermott needed to go for two earlier in the fourth quarter instead of just kicking the extra point uh here's the thing just because you go for two doesn't give you the necessarily benefit you directly if you convert yeah but there's also something to be said of if i kick the extra point and i'm only down 16 I know what I need to do, moving forward. Like you get information both ways, but one result is more likely than the other to occur as to uh, the total points, and you rather take the conversion. But the Bills were out of the game anyway. But that's where the whole analytics discussion came up on both sides between Lafleur not knowing that he needed to actually roll with his best options, and uh, the Bills kicking field goals when realistically they needed to go for touchdowns earlier in the game and it kind of made it a moot point but yeah i'm just uh i'm i'm very curious for this super bowl because you got brady in his 10th super bowl you know everyone's gonna be talking about is brady the greatest of all time and uh, can holmes get there listen this is brady's uh potential revenge game against steve spagnolo uh because uh He remembers what happened in 07. And, you know, truth be told, it's very much a situation where he could get caught up yet again with uh, both Chris Jones and uh, Frank Clark getting him off his spot. And you can see Brady uh, getting unraveled by the Chiefs defense. I can see that happening in the Super Bowl. I really could. I think that's going to be one of the most interesting aspects of the game. Can Brady score points to keep Tampa in this game? Because I think that even with uh, Jason Pierre, Paul, and Vitavia trying to slow down the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs are still going to score on Tampa's defense. I really do. I think, uh, realistically, Tampa's going to have to find a way of getting to 30, uh, Basically, they got to get to. Uh, I think the magic number uh, to have a chance against the Chiefs is 34 points. I think if you can get to 34, y- you have a chance. But I think that's realistically the only pathway for uh, Tampa Bay to beat the Chiefs uh, this year. They really do need to find a way to uh, get there um, because I don't know there's much of a. Uh, Pathway to do it. If for some reason you've got the Chiefs with a, a lead at halftime, I don't see where Tampa is going to be able to get it done without turnovers. Uh, I, I just don't see Tampa's offense. Uh, e- you know, and maybe Antonio Brown gets healthy uh, and be and becomes the difference maker, but I don't see where Tampa's offense does enough against the Chiefs cuz I I know what the Chiefs are going to be able to do to Brady to get him off his spot. Spags knows, Spags knows the formula of beating Brady. It's not a secret. You got to get him off his spot. You have to actually um you have to be able to find a way of protecting Brady and I'm not entirely convinced Tampa can. Now, on the Chiefs side, uh Eric Fisher blew out his Achilles uh, so uh the Chiefs offensive line is definitely going to be weaker now. Uh that that does give uh a little bit of a boost to uh Tampa uh on the pass rush side to getting to Mahomes, but again, Mahomes did not seem to be bothered by the turf toe. So uh, I I kind of look at this as a case where again, this should be an interesting Super Bowl uh Chiefs definitely should be favored. Uh, I'm I'm checking now for uh, the be, uh, the actual lines on the game because uh, uh, I I still didn't see any anything open up early as of uh, uh, tonight, but uh, definitely curious to see what the uh, uh, opening uh, bid looks like because I would say um, you know the biggest thing would be you know, along the lines of, okay. Yeah. So it did open up with a uh, Casey minus three. I, I, I would take, I would take KC and the over. Uh, cause I got, it, it looks at KC uh, uh, minus three and the overs at 56. The only way Tampa can win is if this game, uh, Shoots out, and I still think Casey uh, more than likely uh, takes it. I, I just don't see enough on. I just don't see enough on uh, the Tampa side to actually get there. Uh, you know, I got to do some more research uh, as uh, we get closer to Super Bowl Sunday in two weeks. But yeah, I, I I just think the Chiefs win this one. But you know, it's a it's a hell of an accomplishment for Brady. Uh, to get their year one, uh, with uh, with Tampa Bay, uh, you know, it it really is, uh, you know, I I know sometimes I get accused of uh n- not being as uh vocal with praise, but you know, it is uh it is an accomplishment, and you know, one of the things that folks got to understand is, you know. It's not easy, uh, uh, getting uh, getting a new team to buy into the system. Um, so, uh, Brady does deserve uh, a lot of credit for what he was able to do with uh, uh with this Tampa squad. As talented as they are, ta- uh, talent doesn't always a uh, uh, guarantee uh, the results you may be looking for. So, um, that's where I- I'm going to leave things off for now. Uh, but more to come, uh, obviously as we uh, get into a uh, Super Bowl, uh, analysis and, uh, kind of do the breakdown for DFS slate. I mean, in terms of DFS though, but it was a brutal day, uh, because I just did not expect the bills to be as unimaginative using Stefan Diggs and because you had, uh, uh, Kelsey and Tyree Hill just go off on the Bills' uh, defense. If you didn't stack, uh, Kelsey and Hill in your lineups, and that meant fading digs, which I did not do. I, I had, uh, you know, you had to take a stand, and I, I took a stand and uh, pay paid a very brutal price uh, in terms of lineups. So, like that was probably, uh, my worst week of the entire season. Uh, I took my stand on. Stephon Diggs or bust, and I went bust. But um, even if you wanted to be successful, you had to stay off of, you You could have played Aaron Rodgers, um, but a salary-wise, uh, you needed to have the pieces of the Kansas City game, namely Tyreek Hill and Kelsey. And if you paired them with Nicole Hardman, all the better. Like That puts you in the optimal, more than likely. Uh, uh, and it just came down if you played for net or not, because all the other running backs were, uh, had lackluster numbers. So, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, sometimes you, you get uh, beat by more surprising performances and that's just the way it goes. You got to just take uh, your L when it happens, but, uh, uh, we'll be back ready for the Super Bowl, and, uh, we'll go from there. But, uh, until next time, have a good one. And, uh, we, we will uh, be in touch as, Sooner than later. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. What does innovation sound like?